This is The Extra Mile. A ball just fell off the table. What was oh, that? Man. That was my stress ball I was going to use because you stressed me out. I was, oh. was going to squeeze it real hard when you're talking, but you know what? Now I'm just going to be stressed the rest of the episode. Well, sounds like you and I have some stuff to talk about, George. <laughs> That's we, right. We, we have some beef. We got to talk it out. <laughs> and this is The Extra Mile. <laughs> <laughs> That's our... That's our episode. Um, I think recently we were just talking about how we've had a lot of good conversations with uh, some members here at the Milwaukee Ave COC. By the way, if you're in town, services in the morning, 10.30 a.m. if you're here in Lubbock. And wherever you are in the world, I encourage you to go to church and get, get plugged in with a body there. Yeah, if you can be in person, that's the way to go. But we've had good combos with each other, with some brethren. Uh, the teens right now, I'm going through the Book of James in the teen classroom. And uh, that's been very fruitful. And James 3 is all about the tongue, you know, stepping on my own toes. And there's just so much uh, value there. I had some great conversations as well with you know, people on empathy and, and listening to people. And it mm-hmm. seems to be a conversation that's going on at least, you know, right now in some other circles. And we thought maybe we'd talk about communicating and the idea, the goal really to communicating like Christ. Yeah, easier said than done. That's right. what James 3 is sticking out with me at the teens. Um, we talked about some past conversations with um, last year's marriage retreat with uh, yeah, Ralph. Yeah. He and, did a great job talking about criticism. Yeah, um, he talked about that. Phil Robertson talked about some of those ideas. And complaining. We're going to link those in the episode, so if you want to read those or li- listen to those, go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Ralph and Mark, they did a good job with that. Yeah. But, yeah, simply we're just asking how are we communicating with people, with our friends and family, with our church family, and with the world. That's a big one, with lost people. Yeah, because that's what we're called to do. We're called to communicate. We forget that sometimes. Mm -hmm. I don't want to communicate at all. Yeah, usually. And that kind of talked about with Ben Hall and evangelism, how, right, I'll just be a good example. And that's great, but that's just a starting point. Right. Um, we're going to have to talk with people. And that means talking with people that are going to have different opinions with you and even may <laughs> yes. hate you, may hate you. Yeah. yeah. And you have to talk with them. We, don't, we can't shut down. This culture really likes this idea of shutting down or attacking you. That's because, correct. Because you don't like it. You know, they don't like what they're hearing. Yeah. I mean, we'll talk about it in a second. Jesus deals with some people who are kind of hostile to him. Yeah, the religious people are even hostile to him. Yeah. And it's very interesting how Jesus treats those who should know better, the religious people, versus those, as Jonah 4 would say, who don't know their right hand from their left. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very different how Jesus talks to those people. But yeah, you bring up opinions, which makes me think of our perspectives. Um, something that I talk about a lot with people. I'm pretty young. Um, but I grew up in Southern California, for those of you who don't know, in Orange County, the Los Angeles area. Went to school at a Christian college in Tampa, Florida, which was another big area. Not as big as L.A., but, you know, Florida's different. All the all the stereotypes about the Florida man are true, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> are they really? Florida man eaten by crocodile. Yeah, those, uh, yeah, those people are out there. They're real. <laughs> A lot of great people out there, brothers and sisters. And then West Texas, which I've also learned in traveling Texas, very different from the rest of Texas, whether it's Dallas or San Antonio. Um, you have been around, yeah. yeah. Yeah, but you've been around too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and it's, it's alligator, not crocodile, right? That's true. Yeah, <laughs> for all you just got really mad at me for, for saying crocodile. But yeah, I, I have been around uh, from New York, South Dakota, 
the middle of the country to the other side of the country, not the West Coast, but the East Coast. And we yeah, say the on this podcast, it's West and East together, right? Right in the middle of America. Lubbock. Yeah. And uh, there's different things, whether public school and homeschool together, um, just seeing different it changes who you are. A lot of the, a lot of the views I have, a lot of the ways I see things are because we've traveled so much as a family and, and we've seen so many different cultures just within America. Yeah. It's just within the U S I know when you go talk with Nate, uh, Fritz, one of the the other ministers and one of the shepherds at our church a couple times, he's been to Bulgaria and Russia and other places for years. Like, right. Like two decades, I think for Bulgaria. And he talks about how much that changes one perception. Um, yeah, we found that Mark Twain, he had this fun phrase or saying that travel is a fatal uh, jab to prejudice, bigotry, and narrow-mindedness. He's so right. He's so right. You know who else traveled? Who? The apostles. Yeah, they did. The they apostles traveled did a lot. travel. <laughs> they got around <laughs> the time. Yeah, perspective is a, is a big one, and this is just about listening to people. I guess James one nineteen again, the book of James, where it talks about, hey, be quick to listen, that we should want to listen first um, before anything else. Who was that guy you showed me in another podcast, that African-American gentleman who talks with Klan members? Well, yeah, yeah, Daryl. His name is, his, his is Daryl, and um, I forget his last name at the moment. But Was it Davis? Yeah, something like that. Yes, Daryl Davis. Yes, Daryl Davis, and he goes and talks to clan members. He's um, he's black, and he has some really hard conversations with people that hate him, and view him really as this uh, an animal. And uh, yeah, they yeah, it's really sad. And he goes out of his way, gets out of his comfort zone. And has conversations with these people to talk to them. And the big thing that hit me with that conversation I was listening to was it's not about it. People's people's reality is uh, is determined by their perspective on things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, their perception. Quote. Yeah, is yeah. is one's reality, I should say. And you can't change anyone's reality, especially if what we're doing is we're we're attacking that. Um, and we're, we're pushing back against them and and what they know. We have to offer up. We can't just push back against their perspective. We have to offer up other realities. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. He His quote was, one's perception is one's reality. Right. You cannot change anybody's reality. If you try to change someone's reality, you're going to get pushed back because they only know what they know. Whether it's real or not, it's their reality. You want to offer them a better alternative perception right. or perspective. Um, and that's fascinating because I can't imagine having the patience talking with someone who thinks I'm inferior and dumber and not even really a human, at least lesser of a human being than them. Right. And this guy, as a black gentleman, is going to clan members and listening to them. And he was saying they'll insult him and call him like a monkey and like your brain's not as big as ours and therefore you're dumber and inferior. All this stuff that's you know wrong biologically, scientifically, and scripturally. <laughs> right, and that's their reality. That's their reality. But he said, even when I get you know, abused, and he has abused and mistreated, wronged, and sinned against, that when he listens, they will listen to what he has to say. There's not as much of a wall and defensive mechanism. And he's, you know, we'll use the word conversion, he's converted, so to say, a bunch right. of white supremacists. I think it was over like 500 people who used to be 
clan members. And it's just by talking with them. Yep. And that's today. I know the KKK is nothing like it was back in the no. day. But there's still some people out there. Um, I've only had one encounter with one such person, and that was just like, wow. It's just sad. I don't know. But this guy's doing that. Uh, I mean, I've had some encounters well here with people with, with that idea, that prejudice. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is really sad to see that. But, but I, I can't imagine, I can't believe this guy sits and listens to that hate. There's hope in that sense that with a conversation and listening to people, people can change. Right. And, and from our perspective, right, our reality, the hope is to bring a gospel-like reality to that. Right. Yeah. If you don't listen to someone else, they're not going to want to listen to you. No. Just, it's just not going to happen. No. And um, Because and, he was saying if you attack their you know, perception— the wall's going to go right up. Mm-hmm. You have to offer another reality. Yeah, and whether that's political, religious, cult, whatever you want to call it, whatever their group is, we've you know you've all been trained to watch out for this or that. And right. if you give them the red flags for something, you're not going to hear. And red flags aren't inherently bad. Red the Bible gives red flags yeah. to consider, but I still have to I still have to listen. Um, I like how you said you know Jesus is that example. Um, the apostles especially. I think 1 Corinthians 9 is where Paul says, I've learned to become all things to all people. He's not talking about joining in sin, obviously. He's saying, no. I'm able to relate. Right, Acts 17, he's talking with people who are polytheists. I see you're very religious. He's quoting people of their culture too, poets. And yes, stuff like that. he's quoting yeah. their poets, their culture. He's meeting them, like you've said, George, where they're at. Right. Um, with the Jewish people, they all agree on, you know, on Torah, on what we know as the Old Testament. They go to that. They look at the Law and the Prophets. Right. So we'd be very ignorant and foolish and actually not following biblical pattern to just go ahead and take a Bible, right? People make the joke, Bible Peter. Um, <laughs> in some context, that's not a good thing, actually. And you just smack them over the head. Um, we've talked about this with the LGBT community. Yep. They call the seven passages that talk about homosexuality. Clobber passages. They call them clobber passages. That's right. Even though, like, that's what it says, and that's one other conversation, the way they feel like they've been treated is, shut up, here's what the Bible says, and pound it over the head. There's no listening. And Um, when you do that, they're not, their wall's coming down if you're listening, if if you're listening to them. But when you do that, you bring that wall right back up, and it it ruins any progress there there might be. And there'll be no advance for... For the gospel, no, it's uh, it's really sad. But we have to realize people, even in the church. I'm not talking about just people who aren't Christians in the church. I mean, George and I have very different perceptions on stuff. I've met people here at Milwaukee Ave who are godly men and women. Where we were like, what? We're like, we we're genuinely surprised someone yeah. thought something, whether it was something important like a scriptural matter or it was just you know, an opinion. You know, we had very different views. Because of our backgrounds yeah. and our perceptions. And it's easy to push them out, but we need to be patient with them. Yeah, we, we do. It's very dangerous. I actually mentioned this off the cuff, I think, in a sermon recently, that bubbles are very dangerous, echo chambers. Um, if everyone acts like me, then it's, it's fine. And it's easy to do that in Christian circles especially. It doesn't matter if you're in Lubbock or not. Um, it's easy to do that in a church when you have no communication with the outside world. Uh, and the Pharisees, for example, and, and you read the Gospels, have created this bubble, and now Jesus enters this bubble. <laughs> yeah, he does enter that bubble, and they, uh, they do not like They're threatened it. by that, yeah. They're very threatened by that. Um, I love Proverbs 18.2, A fool takes no pleasure in understanding. But only in expressing his opinion. 
you're like, oh, wow, that's, uh, that's pretty, pretty aggressive. Um, if we're just interested in what we think, we're just not going to learn anything and we're not going to grow. And then Proverbs eighteen thirteen says, if one gives an answer before he hears, it is his folly and shame. You're a fool if you answer before you hear someone else, even if they're wrong. You and I are foolish not to listen first. I've told people don't listen to, you know, don't listen to give a response, listen to understand. And that's hard. I've failed at that so many times in my life. And speech and debate killed me with that. <laughs> I was telling that with the teens in our Bible study in James 3. I was like, speech and debate, the goal is to treat your opponent like a rug, hang him out there, and beat him with a stick. <laughs> and just like, like, that's like the goal. And you know what? If I'm trying to explain something to my brothers and sisters, to my family, to someone who's lost for the sake of the gospel, if I beat him with a stick, like, what? Like, I'm, there's going to be no unity. There's going to be no winning for Christ. Yeah, you're just thinking about your response. It's, it's foolishness. And this even is your example of, what was that man's name, Mr. Davis's name? Daryl. Daryl Davis, the black gentleman who talks with the KKK, who is wronged. Every time he talks to him, he listens. Now, we're not saying, you know, sit there and get killed. You know, Jesus said, when you're persecuted, flee to the next city. But here in America, that's just not really the case. And you can be berated and mistreated and sinned against. And if my response is to return evil for evil, Romans 12, I've lost my conversation with that brother or sister or with that person who's not even a Christian. Right. And that's a tragedy. And Jesus has plenty of conversations that are uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. And uh, that with people that are frustrated, people that are intrigued, people that are angry even. And this is where we need to have empathy yeah. and compassion. So yeah. we need to hear someone's perspective. And because of that, I need to have empathy toward that person. Because, um, that again, Daryl Davis, he's our, he's our example today. Daryl Davis, uh, who talks with Klansmen as a black man, um, he feels bad for who, people who are white supremacists. Yeah. He feels bad for him. He's like, you you know, you're missing so much beauty. You have so much fear and hatred, even though what they're doing is wrong and they're accountable for that. I get that. He feels bad. Like he's like, they don't know. They don't know the right hand from the left, like the Ninevites and Jonah. Um, so yeah. you're turning over to Jesus. Yeah. Yeah. I was turning over to Jesus in John, uh, John four, when he's talking to the Samaritan and she, she asked oh, several, woman. several questions, but in John three as well, he has another conversation with Nicodemus. Right. Um, and John three and Nicodemus, he asked several questions. They're intrigued. He's also frustrated. We know that. Um, but they meet at night in verse two. What does that show you? Yeah, Nicodemus, he's scared of what—he's willing to get outside his bubble. He's willing to get outside his bubble. But he's scared of his bubble, Yes, what, he the, what the other religious leaders will think. He but goes to Jesus by night. Jesus also makes himself available, mm-hmm. right, he he, even him. when it's, it's not exactly the best time. Yeah, and Jesus has been wronged by the Pharisees. They've treated him so poorly. And yeah. he's like, I'll still talk to a Pharisee. Yeah, that's a big deal. That's mm-hmm. a big deal. And he's willing to listen. And, of course, Nicodemus expresses some of his frustrations, right? How can you do all of these things? If you must be from God, right? But but everyone else is denying that, and he's confused. How he's can confused. I be? Jesus, like you got to be born again. He's like, I, I, you can't be born again. That's physically impossible. Right? I can't enter into <laughs> my mother's womb again. Right. right? That doesn't make any sense. But again, Jesus is patient with him mm-hmm. to tell him the truth, and and he just is. He listens. He he listens to his questions and he answers those questions and he goes on to tell him you know know, i'm the son of man Uh, verse 13 no one has ascended into heaven except the one who descended from heaven Mm -hmm. right i mean 
this is very humbling to think that Jesus, you know, has descended in, 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 from heaven and he's, he's taken on this, he's humbled and he can now relate in a sense to, to Nicodemus. And that's what he does with these conversations is he relates to them. He has empathy. He loves, he listens. He's and a, uh, kudos to Nicodemus too. He's mm-hmm. challenged. He's the one who's confused and they each kind of push back against each other yeah. seemingly kindly, but Nicodemus was willing to go see and listen he was. And you can tell at the end of John, right, Nicodemus helps bury Jesus. He's a disciple secretly. It's assumed from the text that this guy ends up really being, you know, a disciple yeah. of Jesus. Yeah, and that's um, a big deal. Mm-hmm. And then you are you going to look at John 4 too? I mean, conversations so? with, John, uh, with John 3. Yeah, John 4. Parable, uh, not the parable, but the conversation with the Samaritan woman. Yeah, at the well. At the well, right. He, he shouldn't be there. And a big thing when it comes to empathy is realizing first, you know, how are these people feeling? You look at Romans 12, um, I'm not sure which verse, but Romans 12, a big part of it is, you know, rejoicing when they're rejoicing, weeping when they're weeping. We need to understand where's that person feeling because a big part of empathy is relating how we feel. And so we need to think, where's this person coming from? How are they feeling? And he shouldn't be here with this Samaritan woman uh, alone at this well. But he's willing to have a conversation when all the Jews don't even like Samaritans or even speak to them. But that's a good one where this is a woman who, she's not the religious leader. She doesn't know all the details about the law of Moses and the prophets. She knows some, though, you can tell. It's their culture. And, you know, she she kind of pushes back against him. Where is this? I'm looking at John 4. Verse, verse 12. Oh, verse 12. Too, or yeah. verse 9 as well. Uh, verse 12, she says, Are you greater than our father Jacob? Mm-hmm. Talking, you can almost feel the hostility that she has toward Jesus as a Jewish man, and knowing her background, you know, she's like, "I've made all these mistakes, like back off." Um, she's hostile, and, and Jesus, you can tell in the text, is so patient. Um, I, actually, we, we talked about this months ago about Christian TV shows. Both these scenes are in the Chosen, I think, in season two. No, uh-huh. Nicodemus season one, but the conversation of Nicodemus at night. And the conversation with the woman at the well are so well done in that show, The Chosen. I think it's very faithful to the text and what those conversations were like. And they really show in The Chosen how hostile and kind of aggressive and put off she is by Jesus. She's kind of, who do you think you are saying that you're greater than Jacob of all people? Right. Yeah. And and another thing there in verse 16, he said to her, "Go, um, go call your husband and come back come back here. The woman replied, I have no husband. And Jesus said to her, right, you are, uh, you are when the right you are when you said, uh, I have no husband. And then Jesus goes on to say, you have had five husbands. He's opening a can of worms there. Any, in any conversation, that would be very awkward. But that was not the opening line. Yeah. (laughs) That worked its way, you know, through there. Worked its way in. Right. And, uh, and he has empathy for her in that, in that mm-hmm. situation there. And this is what Jesus, again, in the book of John, tells us. In John 13, 34 and 5, a new commandment I give to you, you love one another, just as I have loved you. That's a high standard. You also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you're my disciples, if you have love for one another. So guess what? We can have all the fancy, fancy theological doctrine nailed down, right? It's first core 13. If I don't have love, I've gained nothing. Um, we're going to get nowhere 
<laughs> without love for right. each other, let alone our, our fellow man, those people who are not of the flock of God. That's right. And, and in that same chapter, in John 13, he's washing the disciples' feet, right? Mm-hmm. And he says in verse 13, you call me teacher and Lord, and do so correctly, for that is what I am. If, verse 14, if then you, uh, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you ought to wash one another's feet. That's great context. Wash yeah. their feet. Wash another's feet. And then my favorite passage for me personally as as a minister of the word, you know, cliche, it's to Timothy, but 2 Timothy 2 um, verse 24, and actually it's worth noting, verses 22 and 3, he says to flee, you know, sin, youthful passions, but pursue love, peace. Uh, don't have anything to do with quarreling and ignorant controversies. And, but then Second Timothy 2, 24 says the Lord's servant, we're, we're all called to be that. Um, the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone. But we have to be able to teach patiently enduring evil, yet still correcting his opponents, but with gentleness, that God may grant them repentance, leading to knowledge of the truth. So I, we have to view when I view myself as a servant, which is how Jesus did in John mm-hmm. thirteen. That's going to help my mind change. Not that I know more than you, right? Right. Um, like the Ron Swanson meme when he's at the Lowe's. <laughs> remember that? <laughs> yeah. The Lowe's that, guy yeah. comes to him. He's like, "You need help, you, sir? I know yeah. more than you." Just <laughs> back him. Yeah. When I view myself as a servant, um, I, I'm going to listen, right? We're going right. to listen. And then if I'm not there to argue, because debates can happen one-on-one, not a formal one, and we've gotten nowhere, but I'm kind. It's so simple, yet so hard, but I'm kind, and i got to be able to teach. Okay, this would be pride to think I can do it when I haven't studied my Bible. And then patiently enduring evil. I mean, that's our guy. What's his name again, Mr. Davis? Daryl? That's our guy enduring the KKK. Tell him as a black man that you're a monkey. That's enduring evil. Jesus harassed all the time by people. Jesus at the cross, enduring evil. Um, And then correcting opponents uh, with gentleness. Jesus does that with the woman at the well. Jesus does that with Nicodemus at night. And, you know, those are women who come to the knowledge of the truth by the grace of God. Yeah, that's true. And this is where a lot of people then are like, hold on, you're forgetting all the times where Jesus and John the Baptist, they're, you know, they're calling the Pharisees hypocrites and snakes, brood of vipers, <laughs> you're children of the serpent. Like, that's what they're saying. And, uh, you know, Jesus flipping over tables in the right. temple. And, like, it just makes me think, what is it, Luke 10 with the Good Samaritan? Yes, where I think so. They're quoting Leviticus 19, love your neighbor as yourself. And the guy, the text says, trying to justify himself. Mm. He says, and who is my neighbor? Look, when it's your house, <laughs> you can flip the table. <laughs> that's true. That's Jesus. And every and that's the thing for me, because we're the religious people. Jesus is the harshest toward the hypocrites. There will be probably that 1% time in our life where we have to say something, you know, hard, so to say. Um, but that is not the norm, and we are not Jesus. And that's not toward lost people. Mm-hmm. It's toward the religious people who are perverting the law of God. And that's right. something we got to keep in mind. Um, I guess that's 
I've gone on a rant now, but I mean, you just to say. play off of that, I yeah. mean, the prodigal son parable, right? The father's response was totally different in Luke 15 to the two sons. When the son who ran away and is that lost person and comes back, he runs after his son and embraces him. He's so happy. And then you have the other son who's living in that house. He's following. He's obeying. He's like the Pharisee in a sense, but the response is completely different when, mm-hmm. when he asks, what's going on at this party? You know, why are you doing that? You know, the response is, is different. He's not running to his son. He's he's being a little more stern, but he also is, is still loving and has empathy with that, yeah. with that son. He's admonishing his son right? in, in that degree. Uh, I think a modern word for admonishment, which we read in the Bible, something the church is supposed to do with each other, it's certainly called for the leaders, the elders especially, yeah. but we're called all to do that. Um, I think in modern-day lingo, we might say criticism or constructive criticism. I think is what we'd call that. Is yeah, that fair? I think that's right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's not always easy. No, no, it's not. And this was some some of the stuff I talked about with the teens a few weeks ago. I asked them, does anyone in here just love being critiqued? <laughs> Everyone was just kind of looking at me blankly like, what a dumb question. It is a dumb question. Like, I don't think there's anyone out there who's like, you know, what? Does. Yeah, I just love it when someone comes and critiques me. That's why I had that stress ball because Caleb's always critiquing me. I'm always critiquing you. Well, yeah. then maybe some of the stuff for me, me to lie. I'm beating you. <laughs> like a rug. Like a, <laughs> a stick and a rug. <laughs> oh, man. Um, you know, I was talking with the teens and we brought up Matthew chapter 7, uh, verses uh, 3 through 5. You want to read that, George? Yeah, yeah. It's right down there. It's a pretty well known passage, a funny one. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but do not notice the log that is in your own eye? Or how do you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye when there is a log in your own eye? You hypocrite. First take the log out of your own eye, and then you will see clearly to take the speck out of your brother's eye. I think it was uh, Dr. Ward, who was on this podcast a few weeks ago, yeah. talked about apologetics. He Years ago, he pointed out, I can't remember if it was a class or a talk, doesn't matter, and it cracked me up. He's like, Jesus in verse 5 explicitly says, when I'm the hypocrite, I'm the one with the log. And he's like, yet most of the time we view ourselves in the story (laughs) as the person with the speck. speck. That's true. And it's like, oh, let me first get the speck and then I'll get to the person with the log. He's like, how often are you the one with the log? we got to examine ourselves. We might have a log in our own eye. Yeah, Jesus is saying, take the log log out Out of of your your own eye. Yeah. And that's the point I think Dr. Ward was getting at, which was if my sin is always the speck and my brother's sin, or, you know, someone who's not a brother in Christ's sin is always the log, whoops, like that, wow, that's a huge heart issue that we've all gone through and maybe we'll go through. Um, I need to view myself as the person with the log. But how much harder is it to take the speck out of our own eye? Interesting. Well, I was going to save it till the very end, but I guess I'll just bring it up right now. Um, oh, I didn't know that. That's fine. Like the spec idea, it just came to my mind. Sometimes we have errors, and God looks at the heart. There are some things we may not perf- – we're, you know, we're never going to be perfect in this life. We're not. We're going to make mistakes. Uh, I like First Peter 4 eight. Above all, keep showing one another – keep showing. Keep loving one another <laughs> earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. Mm. Sometimes we're going to have to accept imperfections from each other. As long as, you know, and I'm, I'm not talking, you know, I'm going to accept this person's lifestyle of sin or adultery. But you know what? There's going to be some small things where we all have, right? They call them blind spots for a reason. Mm-hmm. And George can help me and I can help George with his blind spot. There's going to be some things we just don't have perfectly and we need to be loving. 
Yeah. Covers a multitude of sins. Yeah. That's really good. That's hard. That is hard. <laughs> it is hard. Yeah. That's a, that, that, that's a lot there. Proverbs 27, six says faithful are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Judas. Thank <laughs> <laughs> you, Judas. Um, right. If if we only compliment one another and it's like, who's really your friend? The one who's too scared to kindly correct you, the one who just praises you, right? I mean, that's for a lot of things in life. And whether that be kids, you tell them to cross the street, you know, you could tell them, yeah, you can do whatever you can play in the street, but if you don't tell them to look both ways, you know, if you don't tell them no sometimes, well, they don't know why, they could get run over. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of, the church is supposed to actually correct each other. Romans fifteen fourteen. Uh, Paul says, hey, you know, be full of all goodness, filled with the knowledge, so the gospel, the truth, God's word, filled with all knowledge, and be able to instruct one another. Mm-hmm. Okay, that, that's not talking just about evangelists or elders or anything like that. That's just the church in general. Be able to instruct one another. You know, instruct. This could be admonish or to warn. It builds us up, you know, spiritually. And that's why the old adage of if you have nothing nice to say, don't say it at all, is actually not entirely true. Um <laughs> That's true because it, it could happen on both. You could say you could criticize too much, mm-hmm. but it's also very it's just as bad not to say anything at all. Yes, it is. But usually we weigh pendulum swing and beat him right with a stick. Yeah, like the, the rug example. Yeah, um, my problems. I say nothing at all. Well, my problem is probably the other one. I say too much. So there we go. There we go. That's why we have this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Proverbs, Proverbs, Kendall and I are reading through Proverbs right now, and it cracks us up. Uh, Proverbs twelve one: Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge. Mm. Okay, so that's saying I need to you know view correction, good correction, that's a good thing. But he who hates reproof is stupid. Stupid. <laughs> that's, what the, that's, what the, that's the ESV. That's not a modern translation. This ESV says you're stupid if you hate reproof. Like wow, Proverbs twelve fifteen: The way of a fool is right in his own eyes, but a wise man listens to advice. That's uh, James one nineteen, right? Mm-hmm. I need to listen. Uh, Proverbs thirteen eighteen: Poverty and disgrace comes to him who ignores instruction. Whoever heed, whoever heeds reproof, correction, is honored. Proverbs three eleven. My son, don't despise the Lord's discipline, or be weary of His reproof. Don't refuse constructive criticisms. The idea. Proverbs twenty five twelve. Like a gold ring or an ornament of gold is a wise reprover to a listening mm. ear. I mean, those are clear biblical instructions and advice when it comes to like admonishment. And then the, the New Testament version, Ephesians four fifteen, says, "Speak the truth." In love, mm. um, that's hard sometimes because <laughs> our emotions are in the way. Yeah, it is. It is. I, that, that tells us our criticisms can't just be, you know, for any willy nilly thing. It, yeah, it needs to be important. Um, uh, it needs to be level headed. Um, there's a few things when it comes to criticize criticism that that we want to kind of talk about. Is you need to be calm. Yeah, that's what you're saying. Level headed. Yeah, level headed. Um, you also need to do it, and this is a big one I think gets forgotten, in private. Hmm. You need to do it in private if you're going to criticize. Oh, constructively. That construct, okay, constructively. Yeah. But private is a big one. We like to criticize sometimes, or we can, just out in the open. Yeah, and social media has done that in some ways. That hurts a lot of things. Um, we can do that as parents where I want to criticize, a.k.a. I want to discipline my... my uh, my kid to the extreme in public, you know, I think oftentimes 
it needs to be done in private. Just like we criticize other people, it needs to be done in private. It goes a long way not to hurt someone's pride. Yeah, and that, that's just considering their feelings. It's considering. It's empathetic. Mm-hmm. And and that's the third one, is being empathetic, is considering someone's feelings. Yeah. If we can put those three together when we give loving, um, for lack of a better word, criticism. Yeah, criticism. Yeah, it's it's going to go a long way. Yeah. It's going to go a long way. And I like the the, the private idea, um, Proverbs seventeen nine. Whoever covers an offense seeks love. He's yeah. not saying not to ignore it and let someone keep. I want right. We use the James one. Don't go look in the mirror and walk away, not changing what you look like. I want you to tell me if I have broccoli in my teeth. Please tell me. But you don't announce to the room. Hey everyone, Caleb has broccoli in his teeth. And everyone laughs. Oh, by the way, Caleb, take that. By the way, George, take that broccoli out of your teeth. Like, <laughs> Thanks for the public, you know, yeah, tarring and feathering. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, but Proverbs seventeen nine. Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. I think the re- the repeating of the matter is sometimes we can overdose on the. Oh, I can give admonishment and constructive criticism well so that's my job now <laughs> and then you go right. around and, and do it i mean that that's a lot no, again it has to be well thought out criticism and and it, is this going to make this person better right right, right? not i'm just going to critique him for the sake of critiquing because that's what i'm called to do right because when it's the heat of emotions a debate as some would call it yeah nothing's going to go well we want to be calm want probably most of the time it's going to be privately and you well, know, you want could, to alter another person's reality to better. Be yes. more like Jesus. Yes, and consider their feelings. I, I don't know where I've heard it. I've heard it in different ways. Um, we ourselves, when talking to brothers and sisters or people in the community, whomever it may be, Caleb should not be offending people from Caleb's mouth. The only thing that should be offensive is God's word. No, the truth. The truth, yeah. exactly. Let this text... And be like, hey, this is not me saying this about you in a personal attack. This is what the Bible is saying. And this is the work of God's Word through His Spirit. He is the one who's going to convict people and draw right. people toward Him. But if I, I can say truthful things, you know, I, I don't know what it is. Adultery, I can say, hey, adultery or fornication is a sin. And if I say fornication is a sin, and you're such a bad person, and you don't— Like, if I go out of that angle, there was a piece of truth in there, but it was not delivered truthfully. It was not, you know, it wasn't delivered, yeah. you know— uh, and love, and I'm not saying there's a time where something has to be said in a you know straight up. People might call it hard. Uh, what's the t- tough love? Tough love that may happen, but that, that's just not the normative. You know, that's kind of a last resort type idea. And if you're empathetic, you know where the person's coming from. You know their feelings, and you know what they need as well. And that's the listening to their perspective. Right, right. Maybe they need something a little harder. Maybe they don't need something a little harder. Maybe you're close to them. I can be a little hard on Caleb because I trust Caleb. I know Caleb well. We're friends. I'm not going to do that not same anymore. thing to Caleb for a, a stranger. <laughs> that's right. Well, after this is over. <laughs> but yeah, the, the relationship building is huge. Yeah. And that's the same thing. We've talked about evangelism uh, at Milwaukee Ave. If no one knows us in the community, if I'm not helping my neighbor or people in need of my community, why are they going to listen to me about serious spiritual matters if there's no love? Right. They're probably not. Yeah, you know, like everything, love is gives meaning to everything. Love's going to give meaning to your conversations, too. Mm-hmm. It better be out of love. Um, I think uh, another thing that um, I've heard from Ralph Walker, I've heard from Brent Hunter, he's a preacher in Washington State, is we should outnumber our critiques with compliments. Was that Revelation 2? 
The idea I've heard from it from Brent Hunter, I believe, was Revelation 2, verses 2 through 4. If you want to read that, Jesus, um, right, he's critiquing a bunch of churches, but listen to this, Revelation 2, 2 through 4. Uh, It says, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary, but I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had at first. So this is actually talking, by the way, to the church at Ephesus. Oh, wow. So Paul and Timothy had a very close relationship with them. And it seems like they're kind of losing their zeal, if you will, and he goes into that. But look at all the compliments he gave. Patient endurance. Um, you've you've tested false apostles with Scripture and with, with truthful teachings I about the gospel. I know your works, he's saying. Yeah. It's good stuff. Uh, enduring patiently. Um, so I, and he's leading with those two. Mm-hmm. And so that's the example I heard from Brent Hunter, which was about, um, hey, you know what? No matter who you're talking with, let alone someone you know who you live with, like your parents or your kids or your spouse or who you go to church with, your neighbors, anyone, like there's going to be always something to encourage someone with. Hey, you're doing this really well. I thank you for doing this, and and this is awesome. I want to talk to you about this thing over here. So that way they know it's not just, George, I think, you know, your sermons are, are this way and they're all this, like... If it it's tells only... them that you're listening, you're paying attention, and you right. love them. Exactly. Yeah. Compliments. Yeah. yeah. Which means we have to be able to receive admonishment. That's always <laughs> a tough part, right? I, we read a bunch of those passages a few minutes ago in Proverbs, which was, right, a, you know, Proverbs to sum it up says, you're foolish, it uses the word, you're stupid, if you're not going to listen. We're going to put that on repeat. You're <laughs> stupid, you're going to put that on repeat. Yeah, we're, we're dumb if we, if, we don't, if we don't listen, including to the person who may 100% be wrong, but if I answer before I hear the matter, I'm a fool, Proverbs 18. Um, and so a few things, I, I can't remember if this was Ralph Walker or not. I don't know, a few things I've heard about how to receive admonishment. Yeah. Uh, the first one was maybe ask. <laughs> That's kind of a hard thing, humbling. But I asked George, and it's something I th- we could improve on. I think we do okay. You know, hey, yeah. how can I improve? What could I, what, what could have gone better everybody? in that yeah. sermon for us as preachers? But yeah, there should be a desire to improve. Yeah, if there's not, if there's thinking no one else has any valuable um, teaching for me, <laughs> super That's arrogant. So humbling. Yeah. And we went back to the Mark Twain quote about traveling. Mm-hmm. If we just take a second and look at all the people in the world, there are things and information in other people's heads that are different than yours that you just don't know. And that would be good for me to listen Realize to. Realize that. Yeah. yeah. Someone out there knows something you don't. Mm-hmm. Yep. Ask for it. A second thing, actually, is to say when someone comes with you, lovingly, for sure, uh, even if they've been a bit hostile, say, hey, thanks for coming to me with that. Yeah. Say thank you. First uh, Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in all circumstances. All of them. Um, okay. I mean, why do you think you'd say thank you to someone who comes with you with some correction? Why, why would I, I say thank you? Yeah, why would I say thank you? Well, because I've they're trying to improve. They're trying to see yeah, yeah, yeah. improve. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah. Right. They're trying to improve. Right, right, right. And, and it's it's face-to-face. Um, yeah, they could have gone behind my back. could have gone behind my back and, and done things. That's happened before, and that hurts. Right. If you, Matthew 18, if I have ought with my brother, before I go, make a sacrifice at the altar. Today, the principle today is if you have serious beef, like serious issue with a brother or sister, you're a hypocrite. 
to go and take communion. How can I have communion? You know what that word means? Fellowship. Mm-hmm. How can I have fellowship and communion at the Lord's table if I have aught with my sister or brother? Jesus says, you take care of the relationship first before you go to the temple, so to say, and do all your you know sacrifices to God. God doesn't want that. Yeah. He doesn't want uh, that. That's what makes criticism and discipline in private so right. you know, powerful. Yeah. Face-to-face. Matthew 18, go to your brother or sister. Go to them personally. If it's true, then you get to learn. I get to learn. If George has criticism for me and it's true, I get to take the broccoli out of my teeth and grow. Mm -hmm. If it's false, then we can correct, perhaps kindly correct the falsehood, and there may be a misunderstanding, and then George could learn out of it. Um, It sounds so simple, right? Right. It does. It's not simple. It's not simple. Because if it was simple, everyone would be doing it, and we live in a better world. How many families, marriages, how many churches have been ripped apart? And it wasn't even necessarily the doctrinal issue. Yeah. It was how it was handled and how speak, people spoke to each other. Um, may God forgive us every time those things happen. I mean, that is that is bad. That'd be a whole other thing about unity. Yeah, that really is a whole other thing. <laughs> But, yeah, empathy unifies. and uh... I could keep talking about this. It's really near, dear to my heart because I, uh, man, I'm, a bunch of people listen to this. My problem, especially, you know, teen years and stuff, was just always biting, right? And, you know, with my friends, ask my friends today how how my friends say I love you by roasting each other. So <laughs> there's a time and place for joking. Um, but I got to be careful on how I translate that to – you know, my brothers and sisters, to my fellow man, um, to my family. Um, that's just something we all have to work on. And I was talking about it with the with the teens Wednesday night in James 3. It calls selfishness and um, greed, this, all these things, the, the biting tongue. It calls it demonic. And you're like, man, <laughs> that's pretty aggressive, James. Mm-hmm. I call it demonic. And, and you can... can go the other way, too, where you don't criticize at all or you don't offer critique, loving critique. Um, you don't say anything at all, and uh, and what you're doing is is much of the same. You're judging them quietly in your heart, and you may not be speaking, which is demonic, but you may be thinking, which could be demonic. Yeah, I can hate in my heart. Yeah, murder. Yeah, yeah. So we want to come together halfway here. Mm-hmm. Well, what what can we do about this? We've been talking. I don't even know how long. It's been a good conversation. Um, how can we put this into Action. What I think these three things. Yeah. Well, first one we can learn from other people. Like we gave an example of today, we can find different perspectives, uh-huh. and um, and we can help to share the gospel with those people, but also listen to them with a listening ear. Yeah, different perspectives in the community and even within the church. Yeah. Whether it's different, um, you know places someone grew up, like George and I didn't grow up in Lubbock, um, or if it's someone who's much older than you, who has different trials than you, or YouTube has a lot of interesting stuff of people from all over the world. We can learn a lot today about different perspectives. I would say don't be quick to be put off by different perspectives either. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we'd be like, whoa, Uh, and we push them away, and and that's that's bad, and and they feel like, well, what have I done wrong? They They may not know. Right. They may not know. And that's the thing, with, especially with people who are not of the faith. I'm repeating it and needs repeated again. You have to listen to someone. Even if you know, you know, you know that they're in the wrong, if they don't feel heard, they're not going to listen. And from their perception, you can imagine what they're thinking, and maybe that'll help you further that conversation for the sake of Christ. Yeah. 
a big one. Find different perspectives was number one. What's our second one? Grow in compassion. Yep, empathy. Yeah, yeah. Um, so many times throughout the Bible, God sees the people, they're lost, they're lost sheep, and he has empathy, his compassion for them. Yeah, and that's the relationships. And that was the thing, again, with Daryl Davis, the, the African-American gentleman who talks with people of the KKK, that when he'd sit down and talk with them and they got to know him more, they saw, this is just another human being like me. Yeah. He just looks different. Right. Um, easier said than done. But for someone else who's treating me poorly, I should have compassion on the person who's treating me poorly because I'm like, oh, man, they don't. Compassion and empathy gets beyond human appearance, and it goes right to the heart. Yeah. It allows us to see each other from who we really are. Yeah. I have to empathize with the most, you know, the deepest of sinners. I should be sad. Even though I'm the one who may suffer and be mistreated, right. I should feel sad. They don't know the Lord. They right. don't know peace. They don't know love. Um, that's rough. Okay, and our, our third one, third thing. Listen before you speak. We said it, for, we said it before, you know, yeah, listen. Don't listen, to, don't listen to respond. Listen to understand. Yeah, James one nineteen. You got to be quick to listen, slow yeah. to speak, slow to anger. Right. Um, right? When it comes to admonishing, corrective, or um, uh, criticism, what's the word I'm looking for? Constructive. Constructive. There you go, Caleb. Constructive criticism. I probably need to learn to receive that first before I go out dishing any out. Right. <laughs> I should probably do that. Um, I love the phrase, be easy to please and hard to offend. Um, always stand up for the truth, but generally speaking, even when I do stand up for that truth, I need to be easy to please and hard to offend. If you're offended easily, we need to go do heart checking. There's a decent chance I'm either sensitive for some reason that may be tied sure. in with, with my pride. But for the most part, and what we see from this culture is uber sensitivity. Man, and if you, yeah, our culture is if you disagree with me, you hate me. And we need to make that clear as Christians, especially as our culture, and it's going to probably. I hope not, but I think it's going to get more secular in our lifetime, George. And if we have a message of... Um, you know, we hate you. Even if we're not speaking up, our silence would be deafening. And we need to make sure people know, no, we do care about you. Yeah, that's I a do. huge jump. There doesn't need to be any jumps. There needs to be a, a slow travel of communication. Yep. Proverbs twenty-seven seventeen says, iron sharpens iron, and one man sharpens another. That's what the church needs to do with each other, so that way we can go communicate like Christ to the lost. That's right. That's right. Go try it out. Have conversations with people. <laughs> I think that's a wrap. Go so.